And the weather is warm. Yes. We're feeling it. We're in short sleeves now. Weird. We used to be bundled up. Oh, I know. It's good. Now we're warm. Yeah, it's really uh, good weather to go walking around and eating food off the street. Street food. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of <laughs> like uh, a teaser of, <laughs> our, of our guest today. Yay. Right. Here we are. Yeah, very exciting. And uh, once again, I... I and express just how excited I am. Um, And we have just amazing smells emanating from everywhere, which is um, a really good telltale sign of some delicious food. The aroma. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This podcast. This podcast. Yes. What do we do? What is it all about? Yeah, so this is our platform um, by the Queen's Chamber to provide a space for our small businesses, our food and beverage businesses and restaurants to tell their stories and show us and let us taste why they're so unique. And we have heard some amazing stories over the almost year that the podcast has been out there. Wow. We have heard some amazing stories from amazing individuals. So I can't believe we've been going that long. That's really incredible. And everybody's story is so unique and wonderful. So it's amazing to have a space where they can talk about it. And we're the making that space available. That's right. It's very cool. You can find <laughs> us. You can listen to the spaces and the stories and the journeys on our podcast. And you can get it everywhere you get your podcast. And, of course, resources for Queen's Chamber of Commerce at www.queenschamber.org. That's right. And our Instagram. How could I forget the Instagram? I know. It's super important. And it's got beautiful pictures on there, too. Wonderful (laughs) pictures on there of all this great food that we've eaten. And the wonderful individuals that we've had an opportunity to spend time with. All on Instagram. That's right. Check us out. We have a great episode for you today. Today we are being joined by Eden Gebre Xavier. How do I say? I don't say your last name very often. I say my friend Eden's first name all the time, though, because, first of all, I think she's a magical woman. I think her food is absolutely amazing, and the world thinks her food is amazing because the term famous follows her around everywhere, even Mm. in the new Eater article that is out about famous street food and food trucks um, in New York City. And Makina Cafe always falls into that category. So we are so lucky that she's here in Queens uh, with us. Thrilled. Can't wait. Famous on the other side (laughs) of the table from us. And she's smiling. (laughs) I love it. Last episode, we had a phenomenal time with Francisco at Addictive Wine and Tapas in Jackson Heights. And it was everything. It was an education in wine. It was an education in decor. It was an education in so many things. Right. He's like the modern day Renaissance man with an incredible personality, but also such a skill set in every kind of art. He has art degrees and design degrees, and he has 
beautiful restaurants with amazing tapas and wine. And hopefully everyone will listen to that episode because Francisco was wonderful. He was. And if you're in the New York City area, you must make it a priority to go to Jackson Heights and visit because that one little item that we had, that one tapa that we had with the, it was, it was something, it was, it was based off of a salad That's that right. he had had. It was the chicken and brie with pear. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was amazing. It, it was a salad memory put on a crostini. With a lot of honey, because it was, we were, <laughs> our hands were sticky yeah. when we finished that. Yep. It was all about pleasure at the table. It was, and it was so good. And you can hear that episode when you tune in and listen, and you can see what we ate when you go to our Instagram, which will tell you everything and show you everything that we've eaten. And then there's the trending foods and something's trending. Are you, is anything trending in your food world, Laura? Well, food trends in my food world. Um, I've spent a lot of time in Jackson Heights lately, and there have been some wonderful bites that I have eaten up and down the street. Um, people should go check out Oven Bites. They're brand new, and it's a son and his mother. And I had some great square pizza there, but they have all kinds of good stuff on their menu. Um, but a lot of a lot of Jackson Heights spots. How about you, Jeff? A great neighborhood. Yeah, I am, best. I've moved from muffins to chicken. Okay. So I purchased chicken breast. So I will likely have chicken for the next six to eight weeks. Oh. And I'll be <laughs> clucking by the time I'm. So it's it's all good because I love chicken. How many different ways can you make chicken? Every, Tons every way. Of every ways. every single way. Tons of different ways, <laughs> and I'm going to cook it in my air fryer. Something that you said you have not experienced. I've never seen an air fryer face to face in person in my life, but They're, I want one because apparently you can cook everything in there. They're pretty amazing, yeah, to be honest that's what with I hear. you. They are really. I have to get good. an apartment with a counter. Okay, <laughs> so that's then the. Then I can put my air fryer on. Then it. you can put your air fryer on it. So. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll be joined by our special guest, Eden. That's right. From Mykina's Cafe. Can't wait. It's going to be good stuff when she joins us. so excited to welcome you, Eden. I know that I and all of our listeners want to hear all about your story, how you started, and about the food that you create, which to me is magical and out of this world. Welcome. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. I'm actually super excited to be here. Been waiting to be here, so um, the weather and the time seems to be right. That's right. Yes. Yay! Oh my gosh. Awesome. 
So um, I guess to tell you a little bit about myself, um, well, you already said my name, so <laughs> <laughs> I did good. Eden Garigziam here. Um, you know me as uh, the owner and founder of Makina Cafe. Uh, I started Makina back in 2017, but the story, I guess the vision started at a much earlier time. Um, I'm actually originally from Eritrea, this tiny country, the northeast part of uh, Africa, right next to Ethiopia. But I was born and raised in Ethiopia, the capital city, Addis Ababa, and I grew up there with my sister, my family, my loved ones, everyone that I knew was there. In 98, uh, the conflict started between the two countries, and uh, my family weren't planning on leaving the country anytime soon, but somehow, you know, this thing called war happened. Oh. And uh, we relocated. We relocated to the States, um, started life, you know, all over again. My sister and I were teenagers trying to figure out, you know, how to be teens in America. So uh, that definitely wasn't easy, but a lot of, you know, first experiences. And I think that's probably when I realized how much I really loved our food because it wasn't easily accessible. We were living in a neighborhood where there were not that many Actually, there were not that many minorities, but there were actually no Ethiopian or Eritreans. So we had to assimilate to the culture quickly. Um, but that also, you know, gave me, I guess, an opportunity for me to start thinking about, you know, how do we get Ethiopian food, Eritrean food? Um, I miss it. I crave it. I grew up eating it every single day and not being able to have it and now having to wait for you know, my mom to go to the nearest, which was Charlotte, you know, to go and get the injera bread and to get the spices. And uh, when I went away for college, what we used to do was because there were no Ethiopian Eritrean restaurants anywhere near, um, I used to uh, pack all the food that my mom cooked me, put it in the freezer, and we would take like a good month supply of <laughs> 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 Ethiopian Eritrea food. So that's pretty much like how we did college. You know, I, um, I, I went to school in South Carolina and uh, lived in Tennessee for a short period of time. And we were, you know, I was living in places and areas where you didn't have a lot of access. And that's just how I survived. So when I moved to New York about 15 years ago, it was really wanting to to have diversity, to be able to eat different food, to be able to have access to different food, um, and also be able to interact from around the world. So I guess maybe that's why I settled in Queens. It's <laughs> a good spot for diversity, Definitely. right? Definitely. <laughs> Did you find an Ethiopian restaurant when you first got here that you ate at? Yes, I oh. mean, yes. They, they, they had my uh, credit card on hold. <laughs> <laughs> it was a weekly visit. <laughs> Um, yes, absolutely. Amazing. You know, the, the, the way I look at Ethiopian Eritrean food is the way how many people look at rice or pasta. It's something that you consume on a regular basis. So it was definitely something that I needed to make sure that I find and the one that I like. So, um, and I did. And what was the inspiration for rolling out, pun intended, a food truck, Makina's Cafe? Where'd the inspiration for that come from? So the inspiration, you know, I've always wanted to um, expand, I guess, the culinary cultural value of Ethiopian and Eritrean um, food in the States. 
And uh, whether I knew it back then or not, you know, it was deeply embedded in me. But one of the reasons why I wanted to start a food truck was really the concept came from coffee. Um, Ethiopia is the birthplace of coffee. So um, coffee is so embedded in the culture. And so the first thought was, you know, a coffee truck or a coffee cart. And the reason why I went that route was simply because um, I didn't want to dilute my vision. I wanted to execute it on my own in the way that I liked it. And um, so from financial perspective as well, when you're going on your own in New York City, you got to be able to afford a whole lot of things that exactly. comes with it. Right. So um, with these two, um, I decided to go more on the, on the mobile side of it. But as I continued to research, I realized that, well, New York City is not an easy city. Um, it's one of the hardest places to operate food trucks. And uh, it's, you know, it's one of those things that seems uh, easy and you can just step in. There's a lot of people that walk around the streets so, you know, you can grab customers. But it's not. That's just, I feel like, is an illusion. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I realized that, no, I, I probably need to serve more than coffee. And so as I was just contemplating, you know, Ethiopian food is all about the tradition and the culture. And it's more of consumed at dinner or with family and a big table and um, it's, it's, it shares community. And so how do I do that to a fast, casual concept? So that was the big um, question I wrestled with and I didn't. There was nobody that has done it prior to me um, in New York City. And so as I researched and researched and researched, I had to look at other cuisines. I had to look at how did Thai food get introduced to America and how did they go about it um, when it comes to um, street food? You know, I had to look at Mexican, I had to look at Indian food. So other cuisines that were similar as Ethiopian Eritrean and I had to pretty much, you know, adapt and customize some of the dishes. We don't carry a lot of things on the truck just simply because we're serving lunch, our dishes, some of you know the meals are saucy and messy. Um, as they should be, <laughs> and uh, you know that you could you could find it challenging when you're when you're consuming it for lunch and you're rushing and you're wearing you know your shirt or you have to go to a meeting. So, um, from a perspective, people might just opt out to you know go and and eat something else. So one of the things that we introduce is we don't traditionally eat rice, but the rest of the world does. And so um, we introduced rice and as, as a base, whereas traditionally we eat uh, injera, which is a sourdough flatbread, very thin, thin as a crepe, but um, it has a sourdough taste to it. Really delicious. Um, and you eat it with your hand. So how do you, again, how do you do that when you are serving lunch? So there are many things that I took time to research and to understand and to come up with a menu. And we, you know, we, we copied so many other bigger businesses that were on the trend of, you know, build your bowl. And we loved that idea because we have so many delicious vegetables that, you know, people can't even decide which one they want to try. So I think to put it in a bowl style, you know, to give them the option of their sides, their base, their protein, I thought that it would be fitting, and so we did. Wow, that's incredible. It sounds like, like tons of R&D, a lot of research and development, 
but also paving the way for this style of food. I mean, traditionally the food is served in large amounts for uh, you know people around a table. So to make that into something individual, that's really incredible, and people love it. Yes, it, it, it was a risk, you know. It was a risk, and I remember agonizing about it and I was like I don't know if people are going to respond to it and you know again when I started uh, five years ago Ethiopian food um, as a street food was such a foreign concept and so I knew that we were going to be doing a lot of educating um, we're going to be facing a lot of people that are like who are you where do you come from what food is this um, and some of them are oh I've never seen it I'm excited so we knew that uh, you know our big role was to teach and to educate, and so how do we do that in something that's so um, simple? Um, and we have a very limited time, which is New Yorkers don't have time. They got thirty minutes right, to right. to go downstairs, grab your food, and get back to your desk and right. eat it at your desk. So how do we do that in one minute? So there were a lot of research that went into this, a lot of studying, um, but at the same time, trial and error. We didn't wait too long. Once you know, we didn't get a good response, we moved on to the next thing yeah. until we got, like we tried sandwiches. So many people asked us for sandwiches, but we just couldn't figure out the time. You know, it takes time, right. and we don't want to put out a product that was not good. Um, and when people are saying like, hey, we need our food or we need to get out of here, one of the dish that we serve um, tips, uh, it's cooked on the spot. Mm -hmm. So as a customer orders it, we cook it on the spot. So that takes a certain amount of time and then to put it together also takes a certain amount of time. So because of that, we just, you know, we had to take it off the menu. So there were, you know, a few things that we tried, but we finally settled with, you know, with our short, sweet menu. So you were new in the, not only new in the food truck arena, but your cuisine was new in the food truck arena. So you really had a captive audience. You kind of had like people and you were feeding, you had them in your hand, if you will, because you had this op unique opportunity to, okay, so we're trying this out, test this out, test this out. But you didn't have the competition that other food trucks have because there were so many of those of various cuisines out there. Yes, absolutely. got to compete with the taco. <laughs> <laughs> we had to compete with the taco, exactly. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's also an angle. One of the things I think that helped me was uh, my marketing background as well. You know, I knew that we would be competing with taco trucks. Um, you know, and Americans love taco. Who doesn't? I love tacos myself. So, but, you know, it's, it's competition. So we had to set ourselves apart in the way that we communicate and the way that we explain the menu. We looked at it as marketing. Um, each opportunity that we get is an opportunity to um, teach. Uh, and I knew that once someone tried the food, that they would come back. So how do we do that? So from the branding, we started... Um, we created our brand in a way that it attracts people. We made it very simple, easy, straightforward, where they don't have to feel like, you know, um, intimidated when you're talking about something that they may not know. Right. So we made it very approachable, and that was very intentional in the way that we went about it. And I think that's one of 
the reasons why we were able to um, succeed in this space. How large is the team that works with you? Because you, I hear you say we. How large is the team that works with you? Small. I like small team. Good. Um, <laughs> yes, I, I, I definitely like a small team, and uh, we're a team under 10. Oh. Nice. Um, but each person plays such a big and key role. I like to work... Um, with the people I like, obviously, and culture is super, super important. Um, I when I, prior to me starting um, my business, I had worked in so many different restaurants, bartending, anywhere from front of the house, a little bit of back of the, back of the house experience. But many times, uh, my experience has been very hard and harsh, mentally, emotionally, the language that's used. Um, you know, restaurant workers. Or food industry workers have just treated um, so terribly in, in the past. And so when I started my business, it was extremely important to that respect was on the top. Mm. And each person that joins our team, that onboards our team, that is the culture of Makina. Respect is the absolute most important thing. And so we start with that. And there are people that have stayed with us from the beginning, and there are people that have come and gone. But each person has an open door in a sense that um, there are many of them that come back and will have lunch with us and will have dinner with us and they'll just catch up because they have, you know, um, have that makina love. They've been respected in a workspace, even if it doesn't work out for them and vice versa. So um, that's something that's very special to me. And it's hard to find people that also have the same point of view as you. So... We, hind, we, we handpick the people that work yeah. with us, and as a result, we keep a small team. Well, I am really excited to hear a little bit more about um, how you decided on recipes, what you drew from. If you drew from your childhood, obviously you're drawing from home, um, but how you decided on the recipes for what you finalized for the truck now. Um, yes, so the... Um, the recipe was, in a way, a bit straightforward. Um, I just picked the vegetables and the dishes that I liked the most. <laughs> and, you know, because I'm going to be eating it every single day. Right. So I picked dishes that, A, I liked, but also um, I realized that the kitchen in the truck is small. And so we, we had to pick dishes that is also food truck friendly. So something that we can cook quickly with the equipment that we have, vegetables that we can warp, warm up quickly. Um, our catering menu has a much bigger and extensive um, menu options, anywhere from modern fusion that we're doing to very traditional dishes. But in regards to the truck, it was just simply um, this is our business, um, which is serving fast casual and what are the dishes that fit the fast casual concept. And I know that your catering is really wonderful. You also do um, a bunch of great events around the city and you've had to morph your food into different forms for that as well. Oh yes, absolutely. Depending on the type of event that we're doing, um, we're changing our menu, we're switching it up. Um, the uh, vegan plant-based space is exploding and so we're catching ourselves adding, even though Ethiopian and Eritrean food has been for centuries um, plant-based focus, um, it comes so naturally to us. But we also consume meat. 
uh, a lot of the events that we've been attending, there's been a lot of interest in wanting to have more plant-based options. So we tend to curate towards that a little more and expand our plant-based menu options and play, you know, pay an homage to the old dishes and then how do we move it forward and, uh, you know, add in the ingredients that we have here locally and uh, create the dishes that we need to create. Are your ingredients sourced locally? For the most part, uh, spices, we, we have to think creatively. Okay. Um, just simply because if you want the best quality, New York City doesn't have a huge Ethiopian Eritrean population. And so we would have to look at other cities, um, close by cities. Uh, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C. is a, it's a huge hub of Ethiopian and Eritreans. Mm-hmm. And so when we need to, to do spice run, that's usually where we, we go at. But one of the best things about Ethiopian and Eritrean food is you're, you know, you're cooking with items that you can easily find at a grocery store. You know, working with lentils and collard greens and cabbage. So these are items that you can go to your grocery store and be able to purchase. But the spices is pretty much where the magic is. And so that we would definitely have to think outside the box and go to other places. Yeah, it's really interesting about um, those other urban centers where there are more. Um, I was out in Seattle for a really long time in grad school, and there was a huge Ethiopian Eritrean population there, and we ate Ethiopian food regularly once a week probably because there were so many restaurants. Here I don't encounter that as much, so I can see the difference. Yeah, I'm, I'm so surprised that, you know, New Yorkers are eaters and they lo- they're foodies. They love to try different um, cuisines and, and food. And I'm so surprised that it's not a saturated market at all. I think you can count the restaurants, you know, with your, with your fingers. I think we have less than um, 20 Ethiopian and Eritrean right. restaurants in New York City. So it's not a saturated market at all. And I think there's a lot of space for growth. And there's a lot, that's a lot of opportunity for you. So what does expansion and growth look like for my Kina's Cafe? Oh, my goodness. This is where I live. <laughs> um, you know, the, the vision that I've always had, which is to expand the um, culinary and cultural value of Ethiopian and Eritrean food in um, not only in New York City, but in America. And so we look at it through different platforms, the ones that can have um, makina, you know, uh, they get to try it through our food trucks. But we are, we've been in the process of um, opening our brick and mortar in Sunnyside. And uh, we've been in the process of that for quite some time. Uh, but that's going to be our first step. You know, our, our, our goal, our vision is to have uh, a permanent home that we can welcome people that are traveling from the boroughs, but as well as people that travel from the rest of U.S. and internationally. We have a lot of visitors that have connected with our stories throughout the years, you know, that have been fans, have been uh, believing in us and wanting to support us. And so whenever they get a chance to visit New York, they get to visit one of our trucks. So we really wanted to have a home that people can actually come in, expand our menu, and just share what 
we share internally, you know, as, as a Makina team and as a family, we have a lot of love, with, you know, amongst each other. So we want to be able to do that and share that to our customers. I was going to go back to that. that yeah, I well, I just want to say that I want to move into that home. Once that <laughs> home exists, I would like to move in there. That's going to be great. <laughs> so once you move into the home, and I don't want to belabor our our smells and our aromas that's Ooh. coming, but I don't want to belabor that. But I have one, one, one question. So once you move into the brick-and-mortar home, will there still be the truck that moves around the city as well? Absolutely. Ah, yes. The truck is not going anywhere. That's our baby. That's how we started our business. It will always exist, and uh, it will always roam New York City. That bright yellow. That bright <laughs> yellow. Exactly. You can yellow. spot it out. Hey, that's exciting. That's exciting. I think it's... Were you making hints about us trying and tasting some of the love? I was oh, making hints boy. about I'm trying excited. and tasting okay. some of the love. So let's do that. <laughs> So while Lauda is opening our container, Eden, give us some like knowledge about the background of Ethiopian cuisine. Cuisine. So um, just to give you a little story about Ethiopian Eritrean food, um, Ethiopia, the region of Ethiopia, Eritrea, is um, considered, Ethiopians pride themselves in saying that they were one of the first ones to bring Christianity to, um, to the rest of Africa. And so because of that, um, they exercise uh, Lent, which is fasting from consuming any dairy product for majority of the year. Um, and so I think I would say 200-something days out of 365 days. Wow. So, and they've exercised this for centuries. So as a result of that, we have such a strong, we call it, you know, ancient veganism because they've been abstaining from meat for such a long period of time. So we're heavy on vegetables. Um, we're heavy on plant-based. And then on the days that you break fast. Um, this is for those who exercise um, orthodox, which has become part of the culture as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then on the days that you break fast are the days that you go ham on meat. I mean, <laughs> extra, extra, extra OD on meat. Ooh. So as you break this fast, one of the most traditional coveted dish that you eat is the dorowat, which is the national dish of Ethiopia. It's the whole chicken, including the egg, um, in 12 different pieces. And it's stewed over this caramelized onion, berbere, which is the, the we call it our um, gold currency. It's a, it's a red um, uh, chili blend that we use. And you cook it for hours. You stew it for a good four, five, six hours. And so you serve it over injera bread, which you have in front of you. Which one should we open and try first? Yes. And what we, we brought, you know, a little bit of everything. What I had brought you guys wow. are some of the vegetables. I brought some Yum. cabbage Yum. with turmeric Yum. and carrots and a ginger garlic sauce. And uh, we also have chicken tips, which wow. is one of... Um, you know, our, our favorite dishes, and it's also our staple when we first started it. Shiro is my favorite 
dish um, of all time. It's pureed chickpeas, mm. creamy pureed ah, chickpeas. So good. It it's so, so good. delicious. It's so easy on the stomach. Um, you know, whenever you have like an upset stomach or you're craving something that's light, I would go with shiro. And uh, I also brought sigawat, which is a cousin of dorowat. The stew is the same, except instead of chicken, it's with beef. Oh, my goodness. So, and uh, you also have these um, little, well, other people might call them empanadas. Others mm. might call them samosas. We call them sambusas. And uh, with lentil, obviously, <laughs> and we also have with beef. And you take a little bit of the sauce. The awaze sauce is a traditional sauce. Um, it has that berbere um, spice blend that we talk about. Uh, but you also have makina sauce. That's our home-owned creation. It's with jalapeno, tomato, olive oil. Super delicious. It just kind of clears up your sinus. And um, it's the most ridiculously delicious food <laughs> in the entire world. <laughs> well, I am glad you guys enjoy it. I'm not kidding. I love it so much. <laughs> it's so good. So um, it's 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 so good because when you're at home, technically, if you're not fasting, you would have injera is in a circle. Mm -hmm. um, and so the plates that you guys have in front of you is you know, our takeout container, right. which I have searched for years and years <laughs> and years because I wanted it to kind of represent your own circle platter. And so traditionally, you would have a big round platter with the injera. Injera is about, you know, 12 inches or so. You would put the meat so in the middle, and then your vegetables are always on the side. So, so the meat in the middle, vegetable inside. The, yes, the okay. meat in the middle and the veggies on the side, and you just dig in. You know, you like dabble into this and a little like bit of that. Like exactly, we're doing ravenously because it's so good. Exactly. So people on the people at the truck can um, decide and choose between these things for their bowl. Yes, absolutely. So they, um, the menu is so sweet and short, which I love. You know, you pick your base. So you have the choice of injera, or you can do yellow basmati rice. Mm. You can choose your meat. Heaven. Um, and then you pick your two sides, which are our vegetables. That cabbage is ridiculous. That cabbage Come is on. really good. I mean, it's, it's just so good. It's the so depth good. of flavor is just beyond measure. There's nothing else that has this sort of, like, spice differentiation to me for my palate that's why i like it so much once yes. again i'm quiet because i'm eating and <laughs> i'm letting eden and lauda go for it this is so, so amazing good. yeah eden i want um to hear like what would you like to say to say to our listeners what what else would you like them to know about you aside from knowing where your schedule is and where to find the food um but what else would you like to share yes i mean um Honestly, we're just so excited. We started in 2017. Um, as you both know, pandemic wasn't easy. Um, we hit pandemic, and uh, it was really, really challenging. So I'm actually very glad to be on this side of it, um, to be able to say that we survived in New York City, pandemic, um, but also serving you know, Ethiopian Eritrean food as a fast casual 
I think one of the things that I really wanted to say is to, I have been so surprised to um, see when you put your vision and your goal. Um, in the beginning, I, I didn't know how it was going to work out. It's much easier to say it from, from this Hindsight, side. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. But when you, you know, when you didn't have anything and you're putting everything that you have, mm. your livelihood, um, everything, your finances, your time, your energy, your effort um, into something and you're not quite sure if it's going to work out. And it's, it was a big risk uh, to be able to do that. But I think one thing that really helped is consistency. We were just consistent. We've hit the highs of highs, and we've hit the lows of lows. And I think what has helped us continue is the fact that we're just consistent. Every day, you get up and you show up. And I think some people might just see you know, the external success, and they might just say, oh, it, it's, it's easy. Laura, you were mm -hmm. with me just last week, how I was pouring my heart out to you of the challenges. But what makes it um, different or what makes us special in a way is that we get up the next day um, and we try again and we try again. And I think that's, you know, that's our motto. It's been like that from childhood. You know, uh, we got kicked out. We weren't planning on it, but you had to get up the next day and show up. And slowly um, you started to see your dreams and your vision and your goals come to life. Well, that resiliency is going to help in small business for sure. And also just what, the, the like you were saying, Jeff, too, the love that Eden talks about mm -hmm. and all of the, you know, passion and effort that goes into this. You can tell emotions come out through the food, like how the people feel who are cooking infuse the food with those feelings. Mm -hmm. So if this is infused with passion and love, that's what people are going to taste and take away when they eat it. I mean, I can feel it. It warms my insides. Certainly. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's one, one, of the, one of the things that we've noticed is on certain cuisines that, are, that have gotten super popular, they have ways that they can take shortcuts in so many ways, you know, already buying products that are already done, um, using products that, you know, requires very little uh, creativity. But when it comes to us, we had to do everything from scratch, from the sauce to the dish, to the side dish, to the main entree, every single thing is hard labor um, that we have to do. There is really almost nothing that is pre-made or pre-packaged or already. It's what you get is from scratch. And so there is a lot of love that passed through that as we're making and creating these products. I mean, you can tell all of the R&D and all of the hard work that's even gone into packaging because you're very efficient at it. I remember being in your commissary space and we were talking about these bowls and wondering how to keep things separated or how to make them um, deliverable because that's really hard too. But I can tell you that there are not a lot of people that just have their packaging down and know how to create, I mean, you've created an event here and it's amazing. Yes, definitely. That's, um, that's a lot of thought that has gone into it. You know, our food being saucy, our food, um, you know, uh, what you call ugly delicious in a way. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Jeff's oh so yes, excited. please dig in into Ooh, the sambusas. They just, are good, oh, and are they go with this great awaze sauce. Okay. Or if you're brave enough to try the makina sauce, I'm brave oh, enough to try the makina sauce. There you go. Oh, so good. I mean, it's a what great is snack? Makina, not 
Eden, what is your favorite item on the menu? Um, so I eat, I eat this every day. Every day I eat this. So my go-to is um, easy, simple. My childhood fav- favorite is I would do with injera. When the shiro is served hot, mm-hmm. it has um, a creamier mm. uh, texture to it. And, I'm, and I eat it with the jalapeno makina sauce. Um, that's my all-time go-to favorite uh, when I don't want to eat meat. This is not hyperbole, but this might be my favorite thing in the entire world. <laughs> I'm going to now say Doral Watt is no longer my favorite. Yes, it's this is Sigawat. Yes. What is this called? Sigawat. Sigawat. Yes, it's the same sauce as the Dorowat, oh. except instead of the Doro, the chicken, you're um, serving it with beef. It's pure heaven. It's soft. Pure heaven. I know. Jeff has something to say, but his mouth is full. He's so excited. This is it's so amazing, good. right? It really is. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, <sighs> I, 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 I feel like people need to know about this. Definitely. So that's how I feel, you know, that's, that's how I think about Ethiopian Eritrean food. But also, the health nutrition, the benefit that it has is ginormous. In Jeddah, it's gluten-free. It's the only grain um, that is gluten-free that grows in Ethiopia. So for a lot of people that are gluten-free or have celiac and they, you know, they cannot eat um, a lot of bread, they can actually have injera. You can have all of it. You can have all of it. Um, the shiro, the, uh, the cabbage with carrots, the collard greens, all of them, they are, I mean, just as delicious. They're just flavored with our own spice and mm. very, very good for your health. Um, and so not... When, whenever you say healthy food, people are like, there is no flavor, but this isn't the case, I guess. This is not <laughs> the case Very at flavorful. all. The flavors run deep. So you just mentioned about, you know, wanting more people to find out and wanting more people to be able to eat. But I just, I have to mention, you do have quite a wonderful media following and lots of stuff out in the media. So people can read a lot of articles. Um, I mean, we... At the beginning of our podcast, one of the first people that Jeff mentioned that he wanted to have on was uh, Marcus Samuelson. We are huge fans, and yes. I know that you have some, uh, like, is it a YouTube video? Tell us about your media accomplishments. Oh, my goodness. Um, I don't even know if I can give myself that, <laughs> that credit. Um, I just have to say we're just, you know, blessed beyond measure. Um, but yeah, we, you know, we've been really privileged enough to, um, work with, um, some of the great, um, culinary people that we look up to. Marcus Samuelson, obviously, um, having an Ethiopian heritage is somebody that we look up to, um, uh, you know, in, in a big way. And so, um, I got a, I got an opportunity to, um, work with him on, on a small project um, that aired in New York last summer, and uh, you know, th- it was it was you know, Eat Up Harlem started, and it was Eat Up New York City, mm-hmm. and uh, they came to Queens, and we were one of the people that they interviewed and wanted to know more about um, what we do. But this this opportunity actually came through um, Ten Thousand Small Business uh, Goldman Sachs. Oh yeah, oh, yeah okay. I, I I I was uh, part of the cohort um, last year, 
uh, after pandemic, it was it was so tough um, for us to you know reinvent ourselves. How are we gonna um, move forward? And uh, we uh, we we saw the opportunity, and I jumped on it right away. And uh, I, I completed the Goldman Sachs, you know, 10,000 small businesses, shout out to them. Um, and it was really helpful. And so we were able to connect through that. He is a spokesperson for 10,000 small businesses, and I had just completed. And uh, the, the connection was made through that. And, uh, and he said he's been waiting to try Makina. So I was so excited when he finally came to try Makina, and he said he loved it. I so imagine. I was very happy about that. <laughs> that <laughs> so is incredible. Awesome. I mean, it just makes you happy. I I'm in a better mood after eating the food than I was before, and that's hard for me because I'm always yes. <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> can't say enough. Can't say enough. We love you. Um, gosh, what else, Jeff? We need to know uh, where people can find the truck, where people can eat yes, this food. Yes, all those food. things that I typically ask when I'm but not, like, shoving <laughs> food into I my, devouring into my it. mouth. But, yes, where can they find your truck? Absolutely. So, um, if you're listening to this, uh, definitely our Instagram is our number one place that we communicate. Um, the beauty of a food truck is it moves. Mm -hmm. And so um, it stays put on certain days, but we also do a lot of events. So we usually post our locations ahead of time. And so people can plan out their week, weekend, and uh, also our website. So you can find us um, at Makina Cafe. Um, and then our website is makinacafenyc.com. And uh, you can learn more about us. And then if you want to get in and you want to cook some of these delicious dishes that we've been talking about, you can also find us on YouTube. You can just type in Makina Cafe and we've, we have some recipes oh. that we have done. And so well, including the Dorowat. Okay. Well, there I'm going to be You can, yes. So you can find us on YouTube, um, any of those major social media platforms, as well as our website. This has been amazing. I can't wait for your brick and mortar, but I'm... I cannot I'm, wait for that. I'm visiting the truck. I have yet to visit your truck. So this is my preview to the truck. I can't wait to... Yeah, and Step up to the following track. following Makina Cafe on Instagram, I 100% agree. Every morning when I open it in the stories, it tells me something about where they are, so it's very easy to find. Yes, and we also have um, our kitchen, which is based in Long Island City, that we do pick up and delivery. So for those who live in Queens, they can actually come and order um, without even going to the truck. It's our virtual kitchen. Um, Makina. So kind of like a ghost kitchen. It's like a, yeah, right. it's like a ghost kitchen. So and if somebody wanted to um, have their event catered, they can just get you through the website? or Absolutely. Through the website. Lots of opportunities uh -huh. for Makina's cafe. Lots. <laughs> this is great. This has been great. Yeah. Amazing. I'm full. Perfect for this day. You're full. It has. I'm full. <laughs> well, Educated I am happy. Educated and full. I have a happy belly. Mm. This is good. This is good. Thank you, Thank you for, for having joining me. us. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad. Finally, finally. Well, I mean, stay adventurous and support your local food eateries. Always. Peace and love. Follow Queen's Chamber on all of our social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube while you're 
And then you go over to Mykina's <laughs> recipes on YouTube so you can get all that wonderful knowledge. And until you hear this music and our voices again, we are out and it's been amazing. Thank you Thank again. You. What a pleasure.